Welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. If you're looking for news, tips, and stories about fishing the Great Lakes, you've come to the right place. And now your host, Chris Larson. Hello and welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast. We just returned from the Greater Niagara Fishing Expo. There we recorded over 40 interviews at the show and we'll be releasing them here on the podcast over the next few months. Today's show features Captain Dan Keating. Dan is a legend in Great Lakes salmon trolling circles. He provides a 2024 outlook for Lake Michigan, how to manage lines better, and a breakdown for what is driving the increased interest in Great Lakes angling. You're in Northern Illinois, right? Near Lake Michigan, correct? Yeah, Northern Illinois, ranked by near Chicago. Yeah. So what do you see going on there this year with... uh, of course, the, the big news is it's been a warm weather. I know you were a warm winter. I know you were in the Keys, but uh, just even in your neck of the woods this year, it's been unseasonably warm. And what do you kind of see? How do you see that playing out once we start fishing? Uh, we're going to pay for it. We're, I'm sure our spring is going to be warm. <laughs> I'm kidding. Chicago, no, I, I, you always pay I, for the breaks. I'm a believer in karma, and, I, and I, 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 I think you could be right. So, I, you know, it just... You know, I started fishing in 1972 with my dad, started chartering full-time 1981, 82, kind of. Yeah, 82. And uh, it seems like the warmer winters, the they're good for the alewives. Um, and the fish seem to be more spread out. My experience and opinion is that the cohos aren't all jammed into the bottom of Lake Michigan. But they're, you know, they're going to be spread out. There'll still be a pile of cohos in the bottom of the lake. And my good friend, Carl Stefinski, told me that they are clobbering cohos in Indiana. But I think you're going to see the cohos immediately in places like Waukegan, Chicago, maybe Racine, Kenosha. Um, so they'll be spread out. I think it's good for the alewives. You know, the young of the year alewives, the hard winters kill them. So I think for the forage base, a warm winter is going to be a good thing. So... Yeah, we, we flew we flew over the lakes yesterday, you know, from Minneapolis, you know, to here to to Buffalo, and, and uh, yeah, it's just kind of crazy because not, I mean, there was zero ice to be seen, and it was a clear day, so we're you know fly over Lake Michigan, fly over Lake Erie, and and uh, it's it's fishable, I can tell you that. So yeah, yeah, Dan, the, yeah, the bad thing is you know you get the ice, it kind of protects the shoreline when you get the big winds from getting beat mm-hmm. up, but. You know, cloudy water warms up faster, too. And a lot of times, uh, at least the spring fish, the browns and the cohos are a lot easier to catch if there's some color to the water. That's interesting. What do you think that this is going to do? I know that near neck of the woods, coho are kind of the first the first target species. But do you think that this will have any effect or maybe change the timeline at all? Uh, fishing for kings out of Lake Michigan. Uh, in northern Illinois and southern Michigan. So, yeah, you know, the, the challenge for guys in, over on this side of the lake in the spring is to ignore the cohos and actually try for the kings, and a lot of people don't do that. Um, it, You know, and I think the kings migrate differently in Lake Michigan with all the natural fish. It seems like the spring fishing is just so much better on the Michigan side. Um, and I know last year, I know last year, and Michigan guys could tell you better than than me, but the Kings were more spread out. It wasn't like they all started out off Michigan City, St. Joe, and then swam up the shore in a big school. They were they were spread all along that shoreline, and it was a long, you know, there were a lot of ports that had really solid fishing. Um, I, you know, my guess is that as the King population improves, I think 
the fishing in the spring for Kings on the Western side of Lake Michigan is going to get better. Um, guys just need to go out and try for them. And it's always been my experience that the spring Kings on this side of the lake tend to be in deeper water versus if you're in Michigan, um, they're not always as far out. And you do have a lot of bigger rivers on that side that are dumping nutrients and warm water in versus the West side of the lake. So I think the opportunities will be there. And, you know, the steelhead is a mystery fish every year. They're kind of up and down and you don't know what to expect, but the steelhead's another spring fish that could give guys a lot of action if they try for them. You want to talk about that a little bit? You know, people are usually they're focused on chasing the salmon. If they want to go after steelhead, you know, how should they change their program? What should they be doing to, to go after some of those steelhead as a bonus fish? So, so the steelhead is obviously, you know, way more random than the other fish, but um, they do tend to favor offshore water. They, a lot of times you'll find them deeper than the cohos. So in the springtime, a lot of times you just have to go past the cohos and get out on the temperature breaks and, you know, find the breaks, you know, for me, the 42 to 44 degree break on, on the surface, horizontal break has always been a good break. The 39 degree break um, is a good break, but a lot of times just hitting those breaks and, and targeting the fish with a mix of clean spoons, possibly some body baits, that's your thing. And then the, uh, the, you know, the coho flies, and then uh, but the dodgers do catch them but the bent the bent metal flashers actually typically work better i know dreamweaver makes one alderton flasher makes a small one whether it's an orange one or red one or a yellow one but part of it is just hunting just covering ground and finding those pockets of steelhead out there and you're starting that on the surface always dan i mean you're i mean that's where you're starting out to look there it's so it's typically the top couple feet of water um, especially in the springtime, you know, by springtime, we're talking April, May, possibly early June as you climb, you know, further north in the lake and depending on how fast it warms up. But um, there are times where if you put a segmented lead core, like a three, four or five color lead inside some mono boards with a spoon, that may be where, where the steelhead are at. But, you know, they have great eyesight, too. So they'll, they'll, they'll find it. And probably a silly question, but orange is we're going to start with orange or... You know, oranges, you know, it seems like for steelhead, oranges and reds, as far as spoons go, I like purple and black spoons. You know, the super slim bloody death is just always a, on a bright sunny day, that will catch steelhead if they're around. And then with the tinsel flies, whether it's, typically it's like the two inch slider, the slider fly size, um, the peanuts do work, but it's more of your blues, um, black, black, blue, purple, more of the bright colors, you know. Uh, switching gears a little bit. So you just got back to the Keys, but I know a lot of time, you spend a lot of time in the winter with your school. So that's kind of full swing now, right? Yeah, yeah. That, that was just a treat for me to go spend uh, a long week with some friends hanging out, catching fish um, down there, trying to straighten my buddies out down there. So if they're listening. <laughs> you, were, you were with McGee, right? I was with Greg, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Good, good luck on that mission, but, uh, but yeah, no, Greg's yeah. a lot of fun, and I got to yeah. use your new probe last summer. With oh, Greg good. On good. his boat, 
And he saw me Good. taking pictures of, and he's like, Dan, you can't show those to anybody yet. Hey, that's he. He's probably one of the few people that actually listened to instructions, so I'm, I'm impressed. So. No, Greg, Greg, Greg's good with the whole current and the temperature thing. He's the guy to give. Yeah. He's the guy to give it to to test out. Right. Um, no, he, he's definitely a, definitely a good hand for uh, for product testing for sure. Yeah, so. yeah, but no schools. We, we you know we were in Green Bay before I went down there. We we're at Lake Michigan Angler. Um, you know. A real mixed bag and people attending you know there's 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 people who are always there that you look at them and you go man you could be doing teaching this school why are you here and then there this year there's been a surprising amount of people who are really really green i mean uh one of the schools we had four different uh little groups of people that had just bought boats i mean they literally had just bought a boat and were just rigging it and starting out from scratch a lot of multi-species fishermen, you know, and then obviously your hardcore salmon crowd. And then, um, well, not this weekend, I'm actually at a soccer tournament with our youngest daughter in uh, Missouri. But the following weekend, we're going to be at Captain Chuck's in Ludington for a two-day school. That's uh, the 23rd and 24th or 24th and 25th of February. And then the first weekend in March will be a one-day advanced school in the Grand Rapids area. So we've got those two schools coming up. Do you have it? I mean, do you have any gut feelings on on what's kind of luring some of those new people to the sport? Uh, I mean, I, I that's always obviously it's it's our business to you know sell products, right? But that's always something I'm really curious about. Is is like if if I'm an angler, what what's drawing me to Great Lakes fishing, or what's you know what's what's driving people to? I mean, because it's it's not a it's not an insignificant commitment uh, as far as that goes. I mean, any any thoughts on that or? Yeah, well, I think, you know, with the king fishing coming back, I mean, we all want to catch fish, um, but I, the king is the money fish, you know, to, to go out and have an opportunity to catch a 20, 25, or even 30 pound fish that's going to rip 100 yards or more of line off fill, that's exciting. And so I think with the resurgence of kings, a lot of people want to get in on that. Um, you know, and I always encourage people getting into it, start in the spring. Because as you said, Trevor, it's not cheap to uh, rig a boat and chase fish all season. Yeah. But the spring, you you can you can go out there really with your bass and walleye tackle in a limited selection in shallow water, and you can do really good. And so I think more and more people are starting there. They get some success. They eat those cohos. Um, and then they go, yeah, this is fun. I want to do more. And so you just... Yeah. You know, I tell people just gradually ease into it. Don't you don't have to go out and buy everything you need for the first trip because you will be overwhelmed if you do. Yeah, I mean, especially with the, you know, cost of boats and things like that. I mean, the, but the reality is, is, you know, the equipment is so good now. I mean, you know, your 18 foot trailer aluminum boat. You know, if you're being smart and watching the weather and respecting the lake, it just it makes for a really pleasant day with with a lot of you know with probably a lot of the equipment that you already have so yeah and i mean i know guys that you know guys with trailer boats have been catching browns and lake trout all winter i mean and so you know there hasn't been a lot of ice fishing so would you rather you know you know sit at home or go catch a brown or a lake trout you know so there's right. there's there's options out there for people who you know want want to fish right yeah i think that's uh you know we sell fish hawk and we're selling stuff to people that I would consider more advanced in the sport. But I think what's really cool, especially in the spring with those brown trout, you know, you can just go out and flatline and catch fish. And that's something that, 
like you said, if you've got a few rod holders on the side of your boat, you can do it. Yeah. And, so I think, and cohos, you know, when the cohos are there, they're they're not the hardest fish in the world to catch. Right. Yeah. So that, that's fun. a just an awesome way to get started. And if you're someone who's watching this or listening to this on a podcast later on and you're thinking about getting into this, I mean, yeah, we want you to buy a fish hawk. But if you're just getting started, you know, go out and, and run some flat lines, especially this time, you know, spring season, you, you can be successful doing it without a whole bunch of equipment. What other kind of advice are you giving these people that are coming to your seminars that are like brand new getting into it? Um, yeah, the, the brand new ones are great because they don't have any bad habits. So, you know, I tell them is, you know, there's a learning curve. So don't get frustrated. You know, you're, you're going to put your time in. I, I know the first year my dad and I fished, we didn't catch a fish. We went out like six or seven times in a small boat, never caught a fish, 1972. Um, so there's a learning curve, but pay attention. It's the small details that matter. And then I also try, you know, when people are ready, I try to teach them about the currents and how the water flows and moves. Because really, you know, the fish... These fish move around during the season. They go up and down in the water column and they go in and out from the shore and move a lot, you know, like Lake Michigan, they go north and south a lot. Lake Huron is, you know, aligned east to west. So those fish are going to move a little bit differently and the currents are going to be different there. But I tell people, you know, if the more you can understand about the environment of the fish, the water, how it stratifies when it warms up, how the currents change. Every time the wind switches direction, the currents are going to change. The fish will do the same thing year after year, month after month. You know, they may be further out into the lake or closer. But if you pay attention to the details and learn, you know, understand the lake, you can figure out how these fish move. And, and then then you're golden. Then you'll be able to find them. And then as far as the, the, the lines and stuff, it's not that a guy has to own every single lure and flasher out there. I mean, like when you come to our schools, I'm not going to give you a list of lures to buy. And I mean, I have no logos on my shirts, so I'm not like trying to sell you something that I that I make or someone's, you know, endorse, you know, wants me to endorse. I'm going to tell you what works. But more importantly, I'm going to teach you how to look at the water, look at the lake and the weather and kind of read, read it all and read the fish and then make the decision for the circumstances on that day in that season that will work best. And that's really the key. Yeah, I was really blown away. I went down there and fished it in the uh, Ottawa Winter Harbor last summer. And you have some really, really massive current shifts, current breaks in, in your, your area down there. Like, I was blown away at just how fast and how many different current breaks that you had just outside of Winter Harbor. And it was, like I said, just amazing. And I think one of the things that people are getting started in it, they don't see that and understand how that works, but your fish down there are really keying on those current breaks as structured the way a river fisherman would go out and target a rock hump or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Lake, I mean, Lake Michigan, the water's moving. The water is constantly moving. And, and so the more we understand about that, and it's really, it seems intimidating, but it's actually, it's, you know, once you get a hang, a hang of it, it's really not that hard to understand. So I have a, maybe, uh, maybe this is the flip side of, of your question, but you know, whether it's a, somebody that's new to the sport, Dan, or, or, or even a veteran, is there any like pet peeve you have or something you see a, mis, uh, a repeated mistake that 
you know, it's like, gosh. You said bad habits earlier. Yeah, well, yeah, there you go. I mean, yeah, well, what, what, what what's, what's, your, what's your, what's your, what's your number one bad habit that you, that you observe after doing this for so long? Oh, so it's okay. Can I have two bad habits? Sure. Yes. I like okay. that. Well, I don't like bad habits, but I'd like to know about them. How's that? No, no, I don't want two bad habits. Yeah, no, yeah, I like yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I would say it's it's number one is when you set up, whether it's the morning or afternoon, you just put whether you're six rods or you're 20 rods in the water and you, you sit down and you don't change anything. You just you just wait and you just drive and you just randomly go around changing nothing which is great i mean it's relaxing and if, if you know if that's what you need to decompress that's the best thing in the world but if you want to catch fish you got to work um you got to work your rigs and then the other one would be to not not pay attention to the angle and the speed when you're trolling because a lot of times it's it's that and we we go in depth at our advanced school on this um, and also my salmon coaching, I work with guys do This is a really big one that I've done this with a lot of guys on Michigan, like Michigan, Huron and Ontario. And once they start paying attention to that whole speed and angle thing, their catch rate just goes way up and their tangles go down. So that's probably the biggest pet peeve, not paying attention to that one. And when you're working with some of these new folks that are out there, or maybe even just intermediate, um, you talked about tangles. I think that's one of the things that people really worry about the most is managing lines and making sure they're not getting, you know, birds nests and all kinds of messes in the back of their boat. What's some advice that you can give some people just when it comes to line management and, and just making sure that your day on the water is not filled with frustration? Sometimes less is more. You know, there is a, there's a, yeah, there were some guys who did really good in Michigan's tournaments last year. And my understanding is they weren't even running all nine of their rods because of the way they were fishing, how they were fishing, less was more. So um, sometimes running less rods, you'll catch a lot more fish than trying to run all of them because you're not managing all those rods. So we just got a question come in on Facebook here. Uh, just wanted some clarification, I guess, a little bit more when you said, what do you mean by angle and, and watching the angle? Oh, yeah. So um, this book right here will answer all those questions. No, I'm kidding. It isn't It isn't big water wisdom on that. But um, so your angle is, you know, it's the direction you're moving over the bottom of the lake. So it's not the direction your compass says you're going. You know, your compass will show you the where your bow of your boat is pointed. It's the angle that your boat is moving is measured by your GPS over the bottom of the lake, whether it's a 90 degree angle, a 120 angle or a 150 angle. So that's the angle that we're, we're watching, which it's trying to find the magic line that those fish want. That's 101. But then also you match that with your speed over ground on your GPS. And then, you know, it's like that's like two, 201. And then you can then start taking your data from your Fishhawk probe that's 90 feet down and working that in there into that puzzle. And you can figure out the entire current with that. So that's that's the short answer to a very big question. Yeah, you cut me off because you, you held up the book. And I was I was just getting ready to give you a plug for the book. It's like it's like the like uh, you you had sent me a copy of the book when you when you first published that one with the questions and and it's it really is like a it's like a it's like a playbook. I mean, it's like everything you want to know in in one spot, and and 
and I know that that came from a lot of years on, on your side, but uh, but it it really is a great read because it's a it's a fast one. You can pick it up all the time, and it's something you can actually read in the boat because the way it's formatted is it's just a really kind of it's it's like a it's like Dan Keating's Cliff Notes, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, th thank thank you. Yeah, it, it was. You know, we ask guys are you know we ask questions. So the the book is organized by questions that we would all ask. You know, you know. And then they, they're categories, you know, currents, equipment, lures, species, you know. So it's kind of categorical, but then you can find the question. And a lot of guys tell me they keep it in the bathroom. <laughs> That's what's great about it is because there's just little shit. Yeah, it's just chunk. It's just digest I mean, and we see that with podcasts and stuff. It's like the more digestible you can make your content, the more people really the, the more people really want that. So yeah. Dan, why don't you go ahead and show people your books and let people no, know where they can no. find it. What's that? Go ahead and show us your books and and let people know where they can find it. Oh, okay. So yeah, all of my books you can find them on Amazon, but I would prefer if you get them on my website, CaptainDanKeating.com. But there's there's two videos. Um there's two videos on king fishing and then there's um a very basic book the complete trollers guide which if you're just starting out no it's that one that's the one to start with then there's the brown book keating on kings which is just about kings and then there's the two most complicated books which would be essential tactics and seasonal strategies and big water wisdom big water is the newest book um, and then there's angling life, which is more about life than fishing. And, but captaindankeating.com has all of them there. Or if you're coming to one of my salmon schools, you can get them at the salmon schools. I, I just, I just noticed on the covers, you know, it's, it's like, you, you, you know, the order they were published in because you can kind of gauge your hairline, right? I mean, it's like, it's like, we're, we're all getting there, but uh, I noticed, I'm like, Hey, that's a young Dan Keating. He's a pretty sharp looking dude. Uh, Trevor, come on! You got you got like a full head of hair there, so come on, go easy. Yeah, but I can put this over, and it's and it's like it, it it you know Chris wants a hat for a reason. I got a pretty shiny spot here, to, and it's getting pretty thin. So. Oh, it's been, hey, the last two years has been brutal on the on. It's just been brutal <laughs> on the hair. Uh, well, hey, we're 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 doing okay. We're 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 plugging away. So. Dan King, really appreciate you taking time out and joining us. So much. It's always really fun. Hey, thanks for all you guys do with the uh, helping guys catch fish and also with just educating people across this fishery. So we, we appreciate that too. Thanks for listening to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. For more information on fishing the Great Lakes, visit our blog at fishhawkelectronics.com.